So this, this is a very big week. This has been a strange and confusing and terrible week. Which is kind of what we expected, I think. I didn't expect it. Hmm. Well, okay. So I, I, the way that I see it, we have two main topics. We have the Apple event, which I think we should save for second. And then the first, which I think is really what you know the people are tuning in for this week, which is hearing your week of iPad only use. Why bother? You know, they, they, you know, the 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 listeners were able to uh, hear the consequences of that on last week's show, but you know they they've been uh, clamoring to hear. They've been you know they've been writing into the show to hear, um, you know, kind of what the uh, the final the final verdict was. But why bother? And what do you mean, like? It feels like I've been like studying for a test for the entire past week, and then like the professor just changed the subject of the test. Do you know what I mean? I I don't at all know. Like the whole point was that I found a um, like a traditional laptop that was like four to six pounds unmanageable, and I wanted something smaller, kind of around the one to two pound range, which is what the iPad Air two with a keyboard is. Um. And then the uh, Monday's event changed all that. So well, now I have not, no idea what to think. Let's not quite get there yet. But but it, it's all moot at this point. Mm. Right? Mm, maybe, but I, I still want to hear what, 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 the, you know, what the experience was like. Okay, sure. Uh, so it, it, was, it was a gigantic mess. It's, it's the mess that you'd expect it is. Um, doing everything on the iPad feels far more disjointed than it does on the iPhone. Like in, in a lot of ways, it seems like the iPhone is almost easier to use even for desktop computing type things. Just because there's so, because like the iPad screen is so large relative to the iPhone, you have to do a lot more like moving around and touching and things are in weird places. And then when you employ something that has like a keyboard on it, no generally no keyboard shortcuts are supported so therefore it's just this weird horribly disjointed experience so if you're doing anything other than just like typing a static document or just reading on it it's kind of a huge pain so i don't know so i you know my my expectation of you going into this week was that the thing that you would find the most limiting was the method of input and it sounds like, from what you're saying, that that really is the driver behind most of your unhappiness with just using a tablet. I would say no, because so I have the iPad Air um, embedded in uh, a Logitech a Type Plus cover, um, and it's actually very, very good. And it has this really cool design where when you prop the iPad up into like kind of the um, like the on position and like the the like typing stance it automatically turns on the keyboard and turns it off when it's out of that area. So text input's actually extremely easy, and the iPad automatically detects that, and everything's fantastic. It's just that moving between applications, like there's no such thing as Alt-Tab on an iPad. So you have to hit the uh, Home button twice, try to move around. The, overly, the excessive animations make switching between apps a huge pain in the butt. Um, there's no launch bar, which is something I really uh, enjoy using to switch applications. So therefore, I uh, use Spotlight to try to switch between applications, which is not nearly as fast, and it's a huge, it's also a huge pain. I don't know. Like I don't think the method of inputs the uh, the problem. I think that it's not designed to be used with a keyboard, 
So therefore, all the benefits that somebody who's better at computers using keyboards, like all that's lost on it. It's touch first, and then you have the option of using a keyboard as your input method. So less about the method of input and more about software limitations, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I understand that Apple wants to keep this a very simplistic product, and if they start bringing over all the convenient power user-ish features from the desktop side of things, it starts being less simplistic. But that, for me, makes it really difficult to use. But maybe, you know, they could build a laptop with, you know, OS ten or OS X, as you say, that was, uh, from a hardware perspective, inspired by what they've learned from the iPad. Maybe that would be a device you'd be interested in. We'll get there. <laughs> so anyway, so I'll, I'll run through my, uh, just a, a quick, like, list of complaints uh, just off the top of my head. Is, is this really going to be that quick? Y yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I promise two minutes or less. Okay. Um, You're on the clock. So the iPad Air 2 has more RAM than most other iPads, uh, which is nice. But that also doesn't prevent, it, whether you're using Chrome as your browser or Safari as your browser, um, it will unload tabs that you've had loaded in the background really, really aggressively, which means, like, let's say you're doing, um, like, a product comparison or you're trying to do some research on something where you have, like, four to six tabs open. You'll find very quickly that if, like, you switch over to Dropbox or you check Twitter or something, um, all most of those tabs go out of memory and have to be reloaded, which means if you had anything open in them, like your session has just timed out. So that's um, extremely frustrating. Uh, the multitasking capabilities leave a lot to be desired. Um, the only thing you can really ever play in the background is music, and that doesn't always work properly. Um, it is overall, it's weird. And and the share sheets, uh, do you know what like do you know what I mean by that? Uh, this is the um, like ability the share button. to right. This is the ability to, you know, if if you're working on a document, say you can save it onto Dropbox or something. Yeah, and all of those things where you hit the share button and it gives you those, it gives you an action sheet that pops up, and then you can then send whatever you're working on somewhere else. But that is just extremely janky still, and it doesn't really work like if you're clipping something from the web browser to evernote like it'll just stall it just does all these weird things where you can still tell that multitasking was kind of an afterthought which is a bummer even the train is upset you're the worst you know to bring that up you know i can have sometimes when i bring up the train we'll, we'll see if it happens here i've actually filtered out the train through my you know through my uh, increasingly proficient editing skills so we'll we'll see if i did so this week but we have had a couple of episodes where I've referenced the train, but it ends up being that in the final product, you're actually not able to hear the train. So, so you just sound like a crazy person. Right. Yeah. Well, even, of, of your even crazier doing. than I, yeah, even crazier than I you know, normally sound. And I like that you use the word proficient. So when you're bragging about yourself, you don't even go big and embellish. You're just like, yeah, I'm okay. No, I'm a very, uh, very humble person, Carlos. Sure. You know this about me. So anyway, so that's, that's uh, a thing. Anyway, um, just no keyboard shortcuts whatsoever. Like the Logitech keyboard will give you like a lot of nice, like one thing that I really enjoy and I think made this a lot more tolerable is that you can have, um, you have a home button shortcut, uh, a multi-window shortcut, Siri, spotlight search, uh, media keys, and a whole bunch of other stuff that makes it more comparable to a traditional computer. So I don't understand how people would use it without that. Um... Somehow I managed to fill up the whole entire 64-gig iPad over the course of the thing. 
so that's that's kind of strange how how did you manage that just once you download stuff and start getting it going you all your space vanishes like there aren't a lot mm. of media files on here i like i cast a couple of um itunes match playlists like i have a few podcast like i i think i allow um instacast to use like two gigabytes of storage space like just stuff takes up space i don't know so it's weird so apparently i should have gotten the 128 gig version um I figured out that the Dropbox client for iOS, particularly on iPad, stinks really, really badly. How so? It's just so limited. Like, I know Dropbox tries to keep things really, really simple so that it's approachable, but I've also been experimenting with Box, which isn't as pretty or as nice, but it's so much more comprehensive and easier to do, like, medium difficulty things, if that makes sense. Like in Dropbox, it's very easy to do very simple things, but if anything is kind of maybe out of the ordinary or like more involved, it's a huge pain in the butt or or you just can't do it. Whereas Dropbox allows you, or sorry, Box allows you to do all that stuff. Yeah, I've I've never used the Box iOS app. I've mentioned on the show that I use Box at at work, but that's always just on my laptop. Yeah, but it's, it's so much better. It's not even funny. Um... Yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. I mean, iOS has a whole lot of other like weird uh limitations like since I prefer Google Chrome on uh the iPad cuz it's easier it just it makes more sense and the Chrome bookmark sync is nice. Um there's no way to set like system-wide defaults on iOS, so I can't say that I want to use Microsoft Outlook as my email client or Google Chrome as a web browser. If an app developer doesn't specifically build in an option to choose which web browser things open in, it still just randomly opens Safari, which is kind of annoying. Um, and it, it's just weird. It's 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 still not a productivity device. It's getting kind of better, but I don't know how uh, Federico Vatici does it. I guess in in fairness, Apple for all of the marketing material they have for the iPad, you'll never find something that you know, it insinuates that the iPad should be your primary device. They keep pushing them very, very heavily for business customers, pretending like you can get stuff done on it, which you can, but everything, like, once you're already in a task, it's fine. But I found that, like, getting to where you need to be takes, like, three to five times as long. Like, does that make sense? It does. Like, like you're in your calendar and you need to switch over to the browser and you have to go send an email and then you have to go look something up on Wikipedia. Like, all of that stuff just takes so much longer. And then, like, whatever you had open is just no longer open anymore. And I, don't, I, don't get started yeah. on copying and pasting and it's all that stuff. I totally agree on that. And I think the other thing that I find both on my iPad and iPhone is... Just on web pages, even if you're on a website which is fairly well optimized for mobile, particularly if you're you know signing up for something or purchasing something or just doing something on a website that involves a lot of input, it's just much more difficult and much slower to do so on a mobile device than it is on your you know desktop or laptop. Yeah. Although what I did find um, that I was pleasantly surprised with is that. Um... Uh, inside either Chrome or Safari, you can still do a uh, tab and uh, shift tab uh, between fields. 
which I, th- I totally thought would not be uh, be a feature. And this is with your uh, your keyboard attachment. Yes, like mm-hmm. it, like if if I didn't have the keyboard, no, I would have I would have thrown the thing out the window in in, in half a day. <laughs> no, it's it's that bad. Yeah, the 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 method of input thing, like I mentioned earlier, maybe that wasn't the primary thing that bothered you, but to me that that has always seemed like the major limitation behind using a tablet for most most things. But what I will say is that since that experiment, I have found my, myself using it more for because I, I during that week I realized a lot of the stuff I do on the computer is maybe more like just casual web browsing and kind of like time wasting. And that is not terribly difficult to do on the tablet. And in a lot of ways is nicer just because there's... Actually, I will say one positive thing about it. There is less distraction on an iPad because it because of the fear of something like running out of memory or like being a pain to switch between, it, it forces you to stay within your current app. And that's like the weirdest backhanded compliment, but like, yeah, like it forces you to think of only one thing at a time and it's quicker and easier to do a very limited number of things. And I kind of do like having Siri kind of, I kind of think that it would be cool on a Mac. Well, what, um, what, what did you tell me earlier this week? You said something like you were in a very minimalist mood. Well, that, that's a, that's a whole different thing. Well, that's. We'll cover that with the Apple, uh, the uh, oh, okay. Spring Forward event. That's what prompted that. No, it's not the tablet. Hmm. No, no, not, but yeah, I, iPad Air, it's better. It's nice. And I, also, I love that it has 4G built in. No personal hotspot, nonsense. You just, you, you open it up and you're online and you can do whatever you want. Oh, you have the, uh, the 4G version. Who wouldn't? Well, I don't. Like, that's the thing. It's that, like, five seconds that it takes to enable personal hotspot or let that thing connect that I just would have been like, ah, forget it. I'll just... Uh, it's, it's more like, you know, 20 to 30 seconds because you have to go through the process at least two or three times. See, that, that's the thing I can't put up with. I, I don't understand how that's not worth $10 a month to you. Well, it's not just $10 a month. It's also the $129 extra up front. Ah, you're made of money. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Um... You're made of Ikea desks. <laughs> That's more true, yes. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, it was a worthwhile experiment, but again, as we'll cover, I feel like I went through it for nothing because a weird and full of compromise answer to my problem and frustration uh, came out on Monday. Yeah, so I think <laughs> I, that that was good. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, but I think... Throughout that entire um, summary, we were kind of struggling with not just jumping ahead to the the Apple event. So, so do you want to talk about the the good fun part or kind of the uh, why bother part? Well, so let's let's go kind of in chronological order of the event. I think. Okay. So I don't know if this was just me. Judging by some reaction I saw on Twitter, it was not just me. But I, I want to hear it from you as well. <laughs> when Tim Cook said, "You know, I'd like to start this morning off with Apple TV." I, I had a holy crap moment. Are we actually getting a new Apple TV that didn't leak out ahead? Because, you know, you know me. I'm of the opinion that Apple will never release another piece of hardware again that doesn't leak out ahead of time because they haven't been able to do that since um, the iPad. Um, 
And so I thought, oh wow, this is going to be a uh, this is going to be the exception to that rule. But it turns out no, it was just an exclusive agreement, at least for the first three months with HBO Now, which is HBO's new over-the-top service, meaning that you can subscribe to HBO without subscribing to a cable provider, and the price got cut by $30. But what, what was your reaction when, when Tim Cook said, hey, I, I want to start by talking about Apple TV? I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be anything new. Like I was hoping that maybe it would be um, revised software for it. Like th- That's immediately what I thought. I, I didn't think it was going to be new hardware just because they don't seem to care enough about it. Like it's it's still a hobby in uh, in old Steve's language. But um I thought that because it's been getting kind of sluggish and all these like channels that they keep adding, everything's just kind of uh difficult to manage. And I thought kind of with the release of the Apple Watch, which they've suggested will be an I um an Apple TV remote, um, that they might kind of refresh the software. But no, it was just a price drop. Which is fine. I think everybody needs to have an Apple TV and somewhere just because it's it's still kind of the best netflix device out there so i was i was thinking about this more after the event when people you know kind of like my reaction were were hoping that there would be new hardware what what would new hardware be for the apple tv right now Uh, outside of just a new remote which is kind of the obvious thing but like what what would be new hardware wise with the box just a faster processor again like uh, even with a like our internet connection generally is is plenty fast and fine um it just it's sluggish at times like you'll just like just op- like opening the netflix app shouldn't take the five to eight seconds it does like i know that sounds really complainy and whiny but it, it it could be a lot snappier like it still runs on an a5 processor which is what's in the ipad 2 from 2010 or 2011 so it could be faster like it's like ro- like i keep hearing i've never i haven't uh used a roku device in like four years but I've been told that everything else is genuinely better than the Apple TV in terms of responsiveness and overall features. I, I feel like, though, when people are, are talking about wanting new hardware, they're, they're not just referring to having a faster box. They want something... Well, what something... would be different about it? Well, that, like, that's it's, it's supposed to be the invisible box that you don't look at. It's not supposed to be flashy. Well, that, that's what I'm asking you. Like, when people are saying you know, they want a new Apple TV, new hardware... What does that really mean? I think that would also mean Bluetooth remote because the whole line of sight thing, I don't know if like, cause I generally, I don't like using my phone as the remote unless I know I'm going to be doing a lot of text input just because there's always like just that 10 seconds it takes to open the remote app and it never seems to launch in the ready to control Apple TV mode. So I think the fact that it still runs on infrared is is kind of a pain. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, other than the remote, you know, what, what would be new about it? Nothing. I don't really know the answer to that question. No, just faster, a remote that works, and newer software. I think most of this is software-based. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be an invisible device. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Well, what did you think about the, the uh, HBO Now announcement? Is that, is that a big deal? I, I, for me or everybody? In general. I'm not sure the exclusivity matters all that much, and I think it's only there just so that they could use that highly visible Apple presentation as the launching point for it. Um, I think it's good that they're going to... I, I'm surprised to see that a, a entertainment provider or, or creator that's owned by a cable company 
because HBO is a wholly owned uh, subsidiary of uh, Time Warner Cable. I was very surprised that they're doing this this soon. But I think it's because it's not priced dramatically cheaper than it is as part of a cable subscription. And it's just a way to collect more money if they need to from the very small number of people who are actually doing the cord cutting. Because again, this is, I believe, just available in the United States to start. Well, one of the things I was thinking about was maybe this is a big deal because this could be the first sign of the direction that Apple wants to go with the Apple TV, which is having it be more and more independent from your cable service. Because currently, you know, outside of, let's say, Netflix, a lot of the the apps which are on Apple TV require you to have some form of, you know, Comcast login or, you know, login with your cable provider. You know, even the HBO Go app, which has been on Apple TV, is a good example of that. So it, it you know, it seems like the way that this could be a big story is if Apple's trying to move in the direction of having all these apps that are on Apple TV be wholly independent of having a cable TV service. Yeah, I don't think they really care all that much. Like, I, I don't think Apple benefits from unseating the cable industry because the people are going to buy Apple TVs regardless of where the content comes from. And I don't think Apple thinks that everybody's like... like HBO Now is not billed through iTunes, so they're not getting 30% off this or anything. So I don't see how this benefits Apple directly other than allowing cord cutters to get access to a um, very sought-after piece of content legitimately. But I don't think Apple really cares at all as whether it's uh, video on demand over just traditional internet or if it's... Um, part of a cable package. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good point. And I think it further confuses me with what people really want, you know, in air quotes, the next Apple TV to be. It kind of seems like the box that we have today is kind of just is it is what it is. And I, I don't really see what you would do a whole lot differently besides, as you say, you know, maybe put a faster processor, slightly improve the remote. I'm not really sure what else people want it to do. They want it to be a 52-inch uh, LED LCD TV. <laughs> Perhaps, wait, yes. Wait, that was just from uh, that was a question from Munster. Right. Yeah, so I mean that's pretty much it. I, I uh... and we got it. You know, we got a cool Game of Thrones trailer out of out of the presentation. So yeah, I don't care. For that that kind of made it all worthwhile. Yeah. I can't. I can't believe you don't like Game of Thrones. If they had announced like, "Hey, there's a new season of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm," that that I would have cared about. But Game of Thrones, ooh, snooze. I was talking to a coworker about Curb Your Enthusiasm today, so I guess they they'll end a season and they won't really have an announcement about the next season. Oh yeah, it's been like of, it's been like four years. Yeah. Yep. It's that good, seems though. frustrating. Have you watched that all the way through? No. Have you watched any of it? No. You should. Okay. There's a couple of good episodes, or there's a lot of good episodes, but there are a couple of just outstanding ones. Well, I, I think you should watch Game of Thrones. Again, I don't like violent television. It, there, there are parts of it that are violent, but by and large, it's not really about the violence. Mm. Speaking of which, Better Call Saul. Oh, right. so good. Don't, don't forget about it. But So good. We'll table it for the end. Okay. 
Um, okay, so I think that's that's everything with Apple TV. Um, do, you, do you want to skip over the research kit stuff? Which I think I I think I do. You know, which um, good, but yes, I just I don't have anything to add about it. I don't either. Um, and I think the kind of cynical reaction to it on Twitter and on the internet in general, where people were just saying, you know, what is this? Where's my where's my new watch? Blah blah blah. Well, I think those are idiots. But I do think a lot like certain people had a, like a le- not legitimate, but they had a different uh cynical reaction which was oh this uh profit hungry company uh trying to uh like curry favor by uh doing this like small free research project which yeah well you know i i would normally agree with that but tim cook including on the shareholder meeting um or in the shareholder meeting this week and he he's done this multiple times in the past between shareholder meetings and earnings calls He's very explicit in saying that not everything Apple does has, you know, ROI in mind, which, which is a, it's a very, it's a very unusual thing for a public company to say. And it's quite frankly, something that I don't think any other public company could say, but, um, I don't, I don't see research kit as being an isolated sort of, you know, PR grab, but it does really seem like Apple does do a lot, which doesn't have the bottom line in mind, which when you're the biggest company in the world, you can get away with. But but um, I, I think the issue that certain other people have, and I have to a lesser degree, is, is and not just Apple, but most technology or most companies that will employ tax strategies that funnel income out of the country to limit their tax obligation which I understand you should fix the uh, the tax code. But I think those are, I think that's kind of the repeated criticism I heard during that piece where that doesn't really make a dent into the hundreds of, or yeah, hundreds of billions of dollars they have overseas. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah. Anyway. But that is, uh, that's above our pay grade, as you would say. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I don't have anything else really to add with the research kit presentation. So then, you know, that gets us right into. <sighs> so you know, I we, I should preface this by saying, I think in last week's show I had said something along the lines of, I would be surprised if this event were anything other than the Apple Watch. It really did seem like, you know, with the way that they were framing the Apple Watch during the September event, I think Tim. You, Tim Cook used the phrase, you know, this is the next chapter in Apple's story. I really thought that the Apple Watch was big enough to, you know, kind of warrant its own event. And, you know, to the contrary, b- between the Apple TV announcement, the research kit presentation, and the new MacBook, which we're about to get into, you know, we didn't get to the watch until over 50 minutes into this presentation. I think, you know, the MacBook which was introduced, which, you know, we're about to talk about. That was a solid 20 minutes or so, right? 15, 20 minutes? Um, perhaps even longer, but yeah. I was surprised. Um, but, you know, again, I guess... N- nobody really cares about the uh, the watch, so they had to fill it with something. <laughs> just, you get, yeah, I should keep track of just how many little zingers you get in about the watch during the show. It's just not that interesting, and we already saw it already. Well, anyway, before we get there, um, I, I guess, you know, in, in hindsight maybe 20 minutes or so was warranted to talk about this new laptop because there is there's a lot to discuss um 
you know, to, to summarize, I'm sure the listeners out there have, have already seen the event. They already know what we're talking about. But in case there are any that haven't, uh, this is the, the new MacBook. So this is not a new MacBook Air. This is not a new MacBook Pro. This is just MacBook, which in terms of pricing falls right in between the two other, you know, as Apple is kind of want to say now, collections of products. Um, they've curated them. <laughs> they've curated them, yes. Um, you know, this this laptop came out in a 9 to 5 Mac article, what was that, about two months ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Gurman, I believe, is his name. Yes, sir. Um, pretty much, you know, spelled out this whole thing. Had renderings of it, had the exact, you know, technical specifications all laid out. Um, and it, it really is exactly what we thought it was going to be, a 12-inch very thin, very light laptop, even lighter and thinner than the MacBook Air. Um, Retina display, uh, trackpad, which did not physically click in. Um, and we, we got the answer to what the alternative is, which is a uh, force touch, which I think we can maybe talk a little bit more about as we talk about the laptop. Um, you know, three different colors, which was something that I, I hadn't seen rumored before, but uh, gold, silver, and space gray, you know, similar to the iPad and iPhone. And of course, you know, the, the big story, which, you know, Mark Gurman's article spelled out and was confirmed is a, a single port, is a USB type C port. So no, no independent power connection, no Thunderbolt, Nothing, just a USB-C and actually a, a headphone jack as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, where, I mean, where, where do we start with all that? I mean, I guess the the only having one port seems to be the headline thing here, right? I would say so, but uh, I, I just don't quite know where to where to start with this because what what was your general opinion when it originally came out? Like the leaks? Um. Hmm. I was um I was skeptical of the one port idea only because, you know, so you know, I, I it's hard to kind of talk more about this without getting this point out there. The general consensus with this laptop has been this is very, very similar to the original MacBook Air, in that when that came out, people were, you know, they were shocked that there was no optical drive, they were stunned that there was only one USB port. It seemed to be an overly aggressive, forward-thinking laptop. And that kind of seems to be the general consensus with this laptop. But at least with the original MacBook Air, there was an independent you know, uh, power connector, MagSafe, which, you know, by the way, is a technology that Apple's been touting for years and years and years as a great way to ensure that, you know, if you trip over your power cord, you're not going to do any damage to your laptop or the power connector, all this stuff. You know, they've really been proud of MagSafe. Um, so, you know, even the MacBook Air had that. And so I, when the, you know, the original story came out a couple of months ago, I was really skeptical that they would actually do away with MagSafe just because it did seem like such a big component and big selling point of their laptops for the past number of years. Um, and I was also really surprised that they would get rid of Thunderbolt because, you know, if you think about it, the the one independent display that they sell, that the current cinema display, is driven by Thunderbolt. 
And so the idea of releasing a laptop which didn't have that type of connector seemed really odd. And that is magnified now with you know the additional information that's come out about this laptop where evidently the Intel chipset which is being used doesn't even support Thunderbolt. So it's not like we can get some type of USB-C to Thunderbolt adapter. It's just not technically possible to have a Thunderbolt device connected to this laptop. So it does seem really crazy that Apple would release a laptop that isn't even compatible with their own external display. But their external display, it's a product they haven't updated in like four years and will probably either like get discontinued or will get refreshed very soon. Perhaps, but I, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to harp on the display alone. I, I just mean to say that Thunderbolt really did seem like, you know, the direction that Apple was going with external components. Well, I think and, Apple's going away from that period. I think it's going to be probably in the next generation of computers, a Mac Pro exclusive port because it was never widely adopted. It's more expensive. All their other devices have USB 3, which is fast enough. And most people don't use it. Like, I mean, I only used it like four times to use that Thunderbolt Ethernet adapter because the computer had HDMI built into it. So that's all I needed because HDMI has plenty of um, uh, plenty of uh, bandwidth for uh, the resolutions I'd want to push with it anyway. And this one, you have the uh, nice luxury of buying an $80 adapter to uh, be able to plug HDMI into this MacBook. Yeah, you know, I think that is that's the other perspective. You know, similar again, going back to the original iPad Air analogy, where people were very rushed to judge to say that this is too aggressive, this is this is too forward thinking. You know, I, I think the the react or the uh, the counterpoint to that, which is exactly the same counterpoint you could make to the MacBook, is not really. You know, if if you really kind of take a step back and think about how computers today are being used. I think it is fair to say with laptops that 75% of the time, maybe even more, you're in a situation where you don't really need anything connected to the laptop. You know, your your keyboard is, you know, even if you're using an external keyboard, that's generally wireless. Your external mouse is wireless. Um, as they pointed out in the presentation, many headphones are wireless, although again, the, the other port that is available on the, on the laptop is a headphone jack. Obviously, internet now is mostly wireless. Um, with uh, AirDrop, you can share files wirelessly. You know, in, in general, it does seem like we are in a situation where, in most cases, you don't need anything physically connected to your laptop. So it does seem like, for a lot of people, the idea of only having one port really isn't a big deal. Similar to with the original MacBook Air, not having an optical drive for a lot of people was not really a big deal. But, of course, there are a small and, you know, quite frankly, very vocal group of people who, like with the MacBook Air, not having an optical drive was a big deal. And now with the MacBook, only having one USB port is kind of a big deal. Well, so I, I disagree, or I guess I'll expl uh, express my frustrations with someone who thinks of the form factor of this as being their um kind of exactly what they've been looking for i've been looking for a middle ground between this whole like ipad air situation and my traditional computer and this fits the bill but the problem with it is that 
one, it only has one USB-C port, which means like right now I'm not having a very uh, like connected day. Currently I have my laptop plugged into a charger. I have a pair of earphones going into it and I have a USB microphone connected to it. On this new laptop, I could not do that. I would not be able to charge my laptop and use any other peripheral without an $80 adapter that's big and bulky. Like that, that, that strikes me as a little, a little insane. Well, but I guess the argument you can make to that is this is probably not a laptop designed to record a podcast on. Well, in a month, we'll find out. So, <laughs> so well, I guess, um, so skipping ahead a little bit, you, you think you're going to get one of these? When, when I think about what the iPad Air 2 and this keyboard case weighs, it weighs 2.1 pounds. Like, I, I don't see how it would make sense not to. Like, I, like my whole point of... of what what I've thought of doing is like I can turn the current Retina MacBook Pro with its busted ass screen um <laughs> into like a like a headless Mac like just use it as a computer because I mean it is and also that's the one thing we haven't talked about which is the processor is really slow like it's yeah, a, yeah is it is it slower than the the MacBook Air oh most definitely yeah so it's uh the new uh Broadwell Core M architecture which does Intel's? They have this weird. Um, it's called Turbo Boost, where it <laughs> is that like hyperthreading? No, it's actually it's a cool feature where it allows the processor, uh, like the processor is rated for a certain uh, clock speed and um, like computations per second or whatever. Um, and the ones that are available with this are 1.1 and 1.2 gigahertz in dual core. Uh, but it supports Turbo Boost, which means the processor for uh, shorter periods of time can operate much faster, which is fine um, and makes it not feel nearly as slow as long as you don't demand consistent, um, like, high processor utilization, which on a laptop I think would be okay because I'm not going to use this to, like, encode video or play video games. But um, that seems like that would be really tricky. Yeah, you know, it was funny. So you and I were, were kind of texting back and forth during this event, and even before they specified what the processor was going to be. They talked about how the laptop wasn't going to have any fans, which um, I don't think that was part of uh, German's story, but um, that was pretty surprising when they said that. But I think both of our reactions right away was, oh no. I, and I actually, for, for a brief moment, I thought, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to they're gonna go with an ARM processor. No. Yeah, I mean, it, I you know, I once they said Intel, I, I went okay, okay. But for just a for a brief moment, I thought, oh man, this is uh, this is it. Yeah, I mean, and and the tricky part, like, so most of this, like, the reason why the RAM is not upgradable on this machine, it's stuck at eight gigabytes, is because that's the the chipset that Intel's providing for this computer. The graphics card and the RAM are like self-contained. So it's literally just not possible for Apple to even change that because that's right. the only chipset. Because And also, it's the reason why this whole computer works as a concept and it gets the battery life that it does is that this processor uses, uh, it draws only 5 watts of power, whereas the one in my current laptop uses 45. Like, it's it's just insanely power efficient, which makes a computer this size possible but also, I just don't understand how the computer couldn't just be a little bit thicker 
and just and just go from there but yeah you know go, talking sticking on the you know the configuration piece you know the other comment i saw a lot of was you know when you're when you're on, when you're on apple's website you can't pre-order one of these things yet but you can go onto the site and you kind of look at it and learn more about you know the, the product and everything the way that you select which model you want is almost identical to like selecting an iPad or an iPhone where you select your color and then you select basically, you know, what, what model you want. In the case of iPads and iPhones, it's usually storage size. And in the case of this MacBook, it's storage size and processor speed, but that's it. You know, you can't, you can't go in and you can't get a discrete graphics card. You can't upgrade the Ram. It's very iOS device like. Yeah, I mean, for me, so there were a couple of things that were going to rule it out entirely. If you couldn't get a half a terabyte of storage, it wouldn't be workable. And if it had less than um, eight gigabytes of RAM, that would have been um, impossible to work with. I would have preferred 16, but eight's still fine. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's I, an, it. Yeah. I will say that the... The, I was pleasantly surprised with the price. I was thinking that this was going to be a much more expensive machine than it ended up being. Twelve ninety nine is the starting price. I forget how much it is to upgrade to the higher end model. So it goes to fifteen ninety nine, and then there's an additional CTO option that'll be available where you can bump it up to a one point three gigahertz processor. And I want to find out how much that costs. Mm. I wonder how much of a tangible difference that would make. Well, but then the turbo boost goes up to two point nine gigahertz. Mm. Every little bit matters. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so I was I was happy with kind of how they priced it. Although, um, before we before we go back to, you know, whether or not you're going to buy one of these things, which somehow we actually haven't talked about yet. <laughs> um, I, I think it's 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 crazy where this falls in the product lineup for the Mac, because ever since its introduction, the MacBook Air has always been the thinnest, lightest Mac that there is. And, you know, the 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 name would kind of insinuate that. And, it you know, it, it has gone from being one of the most expensive Macs to now the least expensive Mac, which has been an interesting transition. But still, through all of that, it has intuitively been the, you know, the most portable Mac. And now they're in a situation where the MacBook Air is thicker and heavier than the MacBook, which is it just seems like a very very odd product lineup. Somebody made the uh, suggestion that it was a six year uh, con in order to say that the MacBook is lighter than air. <laughs> I think the um the the jump from the MacBook to the MacBook Pro makes more sense than it ever does now. With you know when you go to the Pro. You can get bigger screens. You can get many more ports. I mean, the, the whole thing just makes a ton of sense going from this new laptop to the Pro. Um, but the other direction with the MacBook to the MacBook Air just seems very weird because also as we were talking about, you know, the MacBook Air has a significantly faster processor. I believe there are options to get the Air up to 16 gigabytes of RAM. Maybe that that might not be true, but I, th I think it is. Um, yeah, the the MacBook just and and screen size wise too. You know, the the Air comes in eleven and thirteen inch configurations. 
and the the new the new MacBook only comes in twelve. So I don't know. It it just it it clearly shows by it I mean the new the new MacBook. It clearly shows the direction that Apple laptops are going, but currently it just seems like it holds a very peculiar place in the product lineup. It certainly does, and that just leads me to think that there has to be eventually, I'm thinking maybe either a revised 13 or a 14-inch uh, MacBook model. I assume that the MacBook Air will be will be phased out. I that, would assume so too, yeah. And that Apple is kind of repurposing, because the, the, curi- the weird thing is that MacBook, when I think of it, I think of that white plastic MacBook that everybody had in college. That, well, you, you, you could pay the extra hundred dollars and get a black one, Ugh. or two hundred. Was it two hundred dollars? I think it was just a hundred. Okay, but so that used to always be their very very low end model, and I think Apple is trying to redefine a little bit what that means. I think they're trying to make the MacBook a bit more of a premium product, and l- like let Pro actually mean Pro, if that makes sense. Because Air was always just kind of this weird product because, again, it was um, – the Air was a lot like the iMac just in a more extreme way where it does kind of force the product forward by making a lot of hard decisions that will lead to a slightly more difficult product to kind of work with if you're somebody who's set in their ways. But ultimately, like five years down the road, it's going to be a decision that makes perfect sense. And I think that's what the Air was, but it no longer is. The Air is just kind of – a good computer with awesome battery life with average performance that's just nice but it doesn't really fit with this new with this new uh kind of i what i would say is a mid-range computer well maybe they maybe they can rename it the uh the macbook nice the macbook it's okay <laughs> um okay so so going back to the question i asked uh 10 minutes ago at this point probably are, are are you getting one of these yes okay just this, this that whole experiment proved that i'm too much of an old person to to deal with it but it sounds like this is not meant this is not going to replace your macbook pro but rather it might replace your ipad no i think it will repl- it would complement the ipad and replace the MacBook Pro, and the MacBook Pro becomes something tethered to an external display for the times that I need Lightroom and to report, uh, record podcasts. See, I really, I really like that explanation because I really want one of these too, but I haven't been able to articulate a reason why I would have one of these. And that that is exactly how I would use one too. Because I have my Mac Mini, which is you know tethered to my desk and my external display. I have my iPad, which I can use for a lot of things. But then I can also have something that's kind of in between those two things. Like again, just the busted display, the four-hour battery <laughs> life that I get on this computer. A whole lot of things. Like it's it's a fantastic computer otherwise, but there are those. Um, those caveats that make it something that I don't really take out with me, and also particularly the weight. Like, I mean, it, it's it's a five pound laptop, where something that's two and is just so tiny seems like it would get a lot more usage. And it's kind of it would fit the bill for what I env- envision this whole iPad thing to be. 
And I don't think it would, because uh, I, I think the iPad still has a place in the sense that if I just want to watch like some video on demand or a Netflix movie, or if I want to um, solve a crossword or like just read something on Instapaper, I still think the iPad is a much better suited device. But for getting anything done, which I very frequently like to do, I, I think this fits a lot more. And it's available, as we mentioned earlier, in Space Gray, which it has looks to be extra class. Like it, oh my gosh, the, it, the gold. It's... I'm sorry, <laughs> ridiculous. <sighs> like on, the, on a the... phone, I I will admit that the gold I think looks pretty nice. It's not it for does. me, but it it's it's small enough to like for it to highlight it. But I think on a computer, I just think it, it's too much. I I completely agree. Um, but when the you know, when they showed the introductory video and they showed it in, showed it in gold. I, you know, I instantly kind of figured that it would become an iPad, an iPhone situation where it'd be gold, silver, and space gray. And right away, just the idea of a space gray laptop, I got super excited about. And sure enough, it, it looks awesome. It looks so very nice. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if you... Um, do you remember the old Sony Vio SZ? I do, do, yes. do you, I don't know if you know the exact model I'm talking about, but it was always like... If I ever had to go Windows, it was the one I wanted. It was a no, thirteen-inch one uh-huh. that was like the MacBook Air before there was a MacBook Air. That's that's right. Yeah, it was a very very expensive computer. I want to say it was it was like two thousand, which was no, a, I think it was more than that. No, I think you're thinking of the TZ. Ooh, I am thinking of the TZ. You're right. But that one was ridiculous. That was very. The keyboard was very small on that. Yeah, the the SZ was the thirteen-inch uh, model. That was very nice. Okay. I'm gonna send you something in the uh, in the Slack. Okay, please do. I, I thought this yeah. was amusing. Okay, this is uh, this is Twitter. Uh, this is Pinboard's Twitter. There's a big gold minivan double parked at the intersection of technology and the liberal arts. Har 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 har. And the, that was always the uh, closing tagline of basically every Steve keynote. Yeah. Of what Apple's purpose in the world was. Right. Um. Yeah, I think um, for all, maybe all the criticism we've kind of thrown out there of this new laptop, I'm extremely excited about it. And even as somebody who, you know, has a fairly nice laptop for work, which I, you know, use most of the day and who, you know, when I'm at home, you know, my, my iPad is kind of the only thing I need. I still really want one of these machines, even, even without having a concrete use case for it. Yeah. And again, if if somehow uh, we got a sponsor that wanted to, uh, you know, upgrade our systems, um, like <laughs> I think this computer and a uh, Retina 5K iMac is like the the perfect setup. It does seem like that, yeah. Thing is, because are there any Retina like external displays? No. Or are there? Well, any not like- not by Apple. Yeah, that's the thing. Just because, like, I have this old Dell twenty four hundred seven, which is a fine monitor, but just it's such a downgrade. Yeah, you know, I was um, I started going down this really, really dangerous path when you know we were texting during and after the event, where uh, when you had made the comment about the whole you know iMac new MacBook combination being the perfect setup. Yeah, you know, I, I took a look at the five K iMac, which I hadn't since it was first announced, yeah, and I was like, still twenty five. No, but I but I was kind of thinking, ah, twenty five hundred is not bad for kind of what you're getting. Well, no, the screen is amazing, and that's and that's the thing. Like, if you were to upgrade, like, let's say they come out with a new Retina Thunderbolt display or whatever, 
you know it's going to be at least like a thousand or fifteen hundred. And if that's something you th- reasonably would have potentially upgraded to, I don't know. Well, it would, and and but I think the reality would be that the Mac Mini that I have probably wouldn't be powerful enough to really drive it. So, because you know that's the thing that everybody says about this iMac now is that it's you know on top of being one of the best displays in the world, it's, it's just also an awesome a computer. incredible computer, right? So yeah, I started going down this really crazy path where it's like, yeah, if you get a like a five K iMac and one of these new MacBooks, it could be a really good podcasting setup, but. <laughs> once I, once we get our first sponsor then i talked myself down well the other issue too for me right is that i'm sitting in front of this 24 inch you know cinema display and i'm already it's too big for your apartment i'm already yeah it's already i'm already sitting a little too close to a 24 inch display so the idea of sitting the same distance away from a 27 inch display that doesn't seem right yeah even though it would be a retina display so i could sit as close as i want to you know <laughs> but doesn't seem like uh, that's ideal. So I'll do it if we get uh, if we get a sponsor. Okay. And again, that can literally be uh, just like your neighbor giving you five <laughs> bucks to say happy birthday to their mom. Uh, um. Well, I think I think um, the 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 five K iMac that probably is something for a different day. But I definitely could see myself getting one of these new MacBooks. Yeah. I'm in some ways I'm glad that they didn't make pre-orders available right away because I probably would have made an impulse decision. I'm glad that I actually have to kind of sit here and think about it for presumably the next month because we should we should say that this is not available until uh, April 10th, right? Oh, yes, sir. And I did. They didn't. They didn't say anything about pre-orders, so maybe there even maybe there won't be pre-orders for this thing. Yeah, my only unanswered question is I just wanted to see uh how much uh the uh 1.3 upgrade costs. Right. Yeah. Um I guess before before we move on, the the last thing which I kind of indicated at the beginning of the conversation and we didn't really get back to was the the trackpad. So this is the force touch is what they're calling it, which I guess is not the same thing, but similar branding in the Apple Watch where, you know, your your touch on the, well, in the case of the Apple Watch, the display, and on the case of the new MacBook, the trackpad, you know, not only is the device sensing your touch, it's also uh, sensing how hard you're, you're touching. And the thing that this trackpad does is it, it has some type of motor underneath that actually gives you some, you know, vibration feedback. And Jason Snell and, and other people who used the trackpad after the event said that they actually thought that the trackpad, like they had basically forgotten to put the new trackpad in the demo units because the force touch trackpad felt exactly like the you know current trackpad does where it physically clicks in, which sounds really interesting. Because it has that, those vibrations. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like a cool idea. Uh, Jason says, uh, same to to like it. Um, yeah, I've only listened to one kind of uh, uh, show recap or kind of like any a, a podcast with somebody who's had a hands on with it. Was that was that upgrade? Yeah, yeah. That by the way, great recommendation. It's the best. I really really enjoy that show. Mike Hurley and Jason Snell are both fantastic. Can I can I say the only thing that bugs me about that show? What's that? And it's, it's mainly just uh, that Mike bugs me in, in the sense that he, uh, anytime he's talking about a company because he's British, he will say uh, Apple have, <laughs> and it drives me insane, but it's, but it's still a great show. 
but uh i didn't i didn't i always forget that the british uh use like the royal we like they they talk about companies as <laughs> right. um groups of people whereas in the united states and most other countries you will say it as it's just like a single person or entity uh, so but uh, jason jason snell's genuine kindness makes up for that and just uh you know two two decades of experience so therefore he never uh he doesn't say ridiculous things Everything, every, everything he uh, like he, when he has an opinion, it's, it's very well reasoned, which I enjoy. That's that's what I enjoy about Gruber too. Opinions yeah, are very well, very well thought out. We'll talk about this whole watch situation. Sure, um, but before we do the the last sponsor break, <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about something I like. Um, no, the the very last thing to to say on the, the laptop, which we haven't talked about yet, is and they spent a fair amount of time on this in the presentation, and that is the the keyboard. So they made a big deal about how all current keyboards, including the current you know MacBook keyboards, use this that they call scissor mechanism, where you know the key, if you press down on like the edges or the corners, the key doesn't uni- you know uniformly press down. And so they came up with this new mechanism, which they're calling a, a butterfly mechanism, where no matter where you press on the key, you know the the key evenly goes down. You know, e- evenly uh, compresses. Um, but I guess the, the the general consensus for people who've actually used this keyboard is that it's kind of weird and that it it fe- it almost feels like you're typing on an iPad, but not quite, both because of this butterfly mechanism and because I guess the amount of travel that's in the key press is very limited just because the device is so thin. So that that's actually the part that I'm most interested about is how that keyboard feels because I feel like with the with the MacBooks the keyboard's always been one of the strongest selling points. I mean they're fantastic keyboards, and it it didn't seem like people's reaction to this new MacBooks keyboard was all that positive. No, every, I think everybody who like because I've read a lot of hands on about it just because I'm um, interested in it, but most people said it's it's strange at first. But they weren't. Uh, they typed no, no less slowly. No, they didn't type. <laughs> that's a, is that the uh, that's the technical phrase. Hold on. Um, <laughs> we'll cut. We'll cut all this out. No. Well, how do you how do you phrase that? They weren't any slower than they were on any other computer. It just took a couple minutes to uh, kind of get used to it. Um, it. The the keys are a tiny bit closer together, but the keys are also larger. What's different? But yeah, I mean, just on a device that then, unfortunately, that does limit the uh, kind of travel between uh, like a full depression of a key. So, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fine. All right. Well, I think that's um, it's about all there is to say. <laughs> until, until April. I, if it has a fucking screen. Because it's the first <laughs> generation. If it does. <laughs> I'm driving oh. to Cupertino. Oh, man. I'm going um, to... Go to town on uh, Ives Bentley. <laughs> uh, well, so, uh, you know, very similar to the event. Very, very similar to the event, actually. Within about 10 minutes or so, um, we're now at the watch. So we've, we've spent, you know, almost an hour or just about an hour talking about everything but the watch. And now, now here we are. Um, you know, my, my general takeaway was that we didn't really learn anything new. It, it, for by and large, the, the demonstrations were very similar to what we saw in September. 
we didn't we didn't really see anything new other than you know of course the headline was the the uber app which i just could not have been more thrilled about yeah <laughs> uh i just that was wonderful uh but other than that you know i, I there really wasn't anything with third party apps or with any other new you know first party apps that made you made you look at the device any differently than how we saw it in september yeah yeah for the actual like just focusing on the just the raw presentation i think it was mostly the same as before which uh, is to say that they revealed a lot in september um just to show that it was a very um kind of like in the works like like that it was a very far along project and it, they weren't just showing their first iterations that they had a good idea of where they were going. I think that what people were looking for from this event was just to be reminded of kind of what the deal was and also pricing, which I think w- uh, they did not spend enough time on. Or I think they just kind of glossed over that and just said, oh, the website's going to explain it. Um, and yeah, and overall I'm thinking kind of that the uh, the addition watch I, th- I think it's not that it's a mistake. I just think it's, uh, I'm not, in the United States, I think it's going to be a very weird product. Not that I expect them to move a lot of them, but I'm not sure that it it was a great move from Apple. <sighs> yeah. Um, the side of which part? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't really see, I don't really see the addition being that big of a deal. I was actually talking with some people at work about this. I, I think it's one of those things that's getting a lot of attention now, but I can totally see a month and a half from now when these things actually come out that people just aren't going to pay any attention to it. You know, the people who who want it, you know, the crazy crazy rich few, they'll go out and get it, you know, good for them. But I think for the rest of us, it's it's not going to matter. You know, the the fact that there is a $17,000 Apple Watch, which is just crazy, but there's you know there's a $17,000 version of the Apple edition. The fact that that exists isn't going to in any way change my purchasing decision of a, you know, $399 sports version. So, at the end of the day, I don't care that that exists. Hmm. So I, I don't I don't really see it as being a big deal. I think I think I think it's you know I, actually one of the things that I was really struck by I went back and, and watched the the Apple Watch part of the event again when <laughs> when Tim Cook talked about the edition you could almost see that he was uncomfortable talking about the price. Oh yeah, no, that's what that's what I was saying. So they focused far too little time on the prices and kind of like the, what the band configurations would be. And I understand there are, there are a lot of different options for some strange reason. So that's better suited for the website. But yeah, he, he talked about the sport uh, based on the entry-level price they talked about before. There was a mild surprise in that the stainless steel one, the regular uh, Apple Watch model, is more affordable than a lot of people had suspected. Um, and then he's like, oh yeah, there's this one. And that's it. Yeah, well, and, I just, and, just... and it was the reaction in the room, which just, I, like people, I, I, again, because we've read so much about it it wasn't really a surprise but i think a lot of people are again are just put off by the like because apple is trying this whole fashion thing but they are not a fashion company they are a consumer electronics company this is not what's going to set them apart against like the galaxy gear or something and making a successful smartwatch it's just a weird like ultra niche product 
Yeah. And it doesn't, um, like, the money they're going to make from it just, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's not, the whole entire Apple Watch product in general is not going to make a big enough dent relative to, like, a mediocre iPad quarter. I don't know. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to harp on the, the whole edition thing too much, but yeah, it was, it was interesting how it almost made, seemed to make Tim Cook uncomfortable. Um, which, wait, actually, which one does he wear? The stainless steel one, of course. I thought he wore the sport one. I, hmm, during the Rose I, interview, I remember it being shiny. I, I thought it was the sport one, but anyway, I know he, well, I know he wears a sport band. Maybe it is the steel watch though. Is Ive ever, ever photographed in public? I don't believe so, no. He seems like the one who would wear a gold one. He does, yeah. Um, all right, so enough, enough of that. Let's, let's get into the, 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 the meat of the product, as you would say. Um, I, again, other than the general impression that we didn't see a lot new, um, some of the other things that I kind of took note of, um, I, w- I was surprised that there's a $50 price difference between the two different sizes, particularly with the sport version. Um, well, but remember, it's not different sized bands. It's a different size screen, battery, housing, everything like that. So I do. Yeah, but but like it, just it, in the it, same way, it's, it's such a it's such a small difference that they didn't even you know they're not claiming that the 42 inch gets significantly better battery life in fact you know they they don't even give different specifications for the two sizes no apparently there there were some reps after the event which insinuated that the 42 millimeter version would get slightly better battery life but it's not as if it's it's one of those things with like the six and the six plus with the iphone where Apple literally gives different, you know, battery specs for the two different models. It's not like that. So, um, I don't know. I, I was a little surprised that, um, that that's kind of how the pricing structure works. Uh, a little disappointed too, just because as somebody who's, you know, fully intending on getting the 42 millimeter size, it's kind of a bummer that I got to pay an extra 50 bucks, but you know, it is what it is. As a as a side note, you know, it's what's crazy is that with the addition, the difference between thirty eight and forty two millimeter is two thousand dollars. <laughs> that's just that's crazy. Um, I guess the other thing that I I, I took note of was uh, battery life. It does it does really seem like Apple's confident in saying you know all day battery, which well, is but, what they which, is what they had to say. Which all day? <laughs> well. So of course, you know that the snarky comment that everybody was making after the event was they used the phrase "all day battery life" when describing both the new MacBook and the Apple Watch. And of course, the the new MacBook we actually didn't say this, but they said it during the event: uh, nine hours of battery life with the, with the MacBook, and they're we're saying something about eighteen hours of battery life with the Apple Watch. Uh, so seemingly two different definitions of, uh, of all day. Well, but you know, as Jason Snell very smartly pointed out you use on, it on upgrade yeah. you, you use it differently so your definitions of all day are you know different between those two devices um and was it you that sent me uh that tweet about uh the itunes store outage yes okay too. <laughs> so, so yeah, if but... it approaches nine hours it's it's an all-day outage <laughs> right good. um yeah so but i think you know um 
I think Apple has, you know, they set the bar now. They've said, hey, you know, this thing is expected to last through the day. And that's that's what they had to do. That's what they had to say. But now officially the line is drawn in the sand. And with most Apple products, the I think the Apple or the not the Apple, the, the battery specifications that Apple provides are generally pretty fair. When Apple says, hey, this laptop's gonna get nine hours of battery life. Generally speaking, you can expect nine hours, if not maybe a little bit better, of battery life. So it's going to be really interesting now to see if these um, claims of the Apple Watch battery are true. Because I, I, I do really think the one major thing that could totally derail the Apple Watch launch is if people are consistently not able to make it through the day on a single charge. If that becomes, if that becomes a narrative... I think that's absolutely devastating to this product. Yeah, I don't think it will be unless people overuse it the first day, just like you would like any other like cool new product. Where if like if you're just dinking around with it and just showing all your friends your uh, fancy new uh, gold watch, um, that would cause them to get kind of unsatisfactory battery life. But I do think it's probably going to last um, as long as they say over the course of a, a day. But again, my, my complaint is that that's just not the case, that that's not enough, that it needs to be at least two. So I, 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 um, I forget who it was who, who was able to get this, but after the event, somebody asked Apple, like, you know, hey, what, what's that 18 hours of battery life? Like, what's that kind of based on? What's, what's the average day of use? Um, and I guess it was something like 90 time checks, so like looking to see what time it is. 90 notifications, um, something like 45 minutes of continuous app use, and then a 30-minute workout with Bluetooth audio enabled. Which, you know, that seems that does seem like a fairly reasonable day. Like if I think about how I use my pebble, that seems that seems about right. Yeah, we shall see. So what, what's what's your top pick in terms of uh, you browse the website, you saw the uh, default configurations, uh, which do you think you're going for? Uh, so with the watch, um, it'd be 42 millimeter uh, Apple Watch Sport Space Gray. Um, and then with the band, I, I'm I'm genuinely torn between the green band, the green, uh, God, how do you how do you pronounce the plastic band or the rubber band? fluoroelastomer <laughs> so yeah whatever that is I, i've been debating between that and the uh the black the green and the black band so i may sorry, i may end said, up getting you said you're getting sport but you're getting aluminum or sorry uh you're getting sport but you're getting space gray the space gray sport yes okay you understand that you have to buy the green one separately right so space gray and sport only comes with the black band period Oh, is that true? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so I'll, well, actually, maybe that does push me just to get the black band. I was kind of on the fence about the green band because I, as much as I love green, I mean, you know this about me. Um, I actually don't know if I would want to wear that all the time. Um, although, you know, and then, you know, my, my, my absolute, my absolute like favorite choice would be the space gray sport with the, uh, space gray steel bracelet. Which you can do technically, 
um, the, the, the bracelet is made available for purchase separately and does work across all the collections, including the sport. But the bracelet's $449, so it would be, you know, $50 more than the watch itself is, which uh, doesn't seem like a very smart purchase. Yeah. Um, uh, let me link it. It does, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this link, but um, I, I sent you this link. It's, it's just called, um, what's it called here? Uh, mixyourwatch.com it's a website that somebody's made where you can um, you know put together all the different configurations of apple watch and the the space gray sport watch with the space gray steel bracelet does look absolutely phenomenal um but alas i'm i'm not gonna pay you know 850 dollars to to get there yeah how um how not water uh, friendly do you think the leather ones are? I think I think very. I, Jason Snell, I think, touched on this briefly, but it sounds like the only the only band which Apple is advertising as being water resistant are the sports bands, and that any other band is not meant to be anywhere near water. See, that's the tricky part because again, I'm not. Sh- I've actually uh, gone backwards um, now that I think more about the MacBook is that I might actually not get one of these. But the one I thought looked the nicest was the uh, stainless steel with the blue leather. But it's going to be a... Like, for me, this would cause me to not wear my fuel band, which means I actually genuinely I am interested in the fitness capabilities of it, which means then I'm now swapping out bands with the with the sport band, which just seems like a huge pain. Yeah, you know, my my problem is that I I actually don't like leather bands on watches. It's just a personal preference of mine. I've I've never liked leather bands. And I actually think that the leather loop looks still fairly casual. It doesn't doesn't very it doesn't look very dressy. I I, I think the modern buckle band looks a little bit more dressy, but um in general, I'm just not a big like leather band person. So that that is one of the the kind of the issues I'm having is one of the main problems with the pebble that I have is I don't wear it whenever I'm you know going out to like a nicer dinner or seeing family or something like that just because it just looks like a really cheap watch. It just doesn't look like something that you would wear with a nice dress shirt or something like that. Um, and I think the Apple Watch is the same thing with with these sports bands. It just doesn't really look like something that you you wear out to a nice event, and I actually don't really think that the, like the leather loop band does either. And you know the issue that you get into the bands that do look really nice, like the uh, modern buckle that I mentioned, and then also the you know steel bracelet. You know the modern buckle is two forty nine, and the steel bracelet's four forty nine. So at those prices, it's it's just not at least for me, it's just not realistic to go out and get those. Yeah, like, because I mean, for me, like, I actually genuinely, I don't feel that way about my fuel band just because it's black and very kind of like unobtrusive. So therefore, I don't feel that it's um, particularly un, particularly casual looking. I think I, I understand that point. But I think the watch is different because it's so large and would draw a lot more attention than if you're wearing this like plastic, um, like concert bracelet thing. That looks weirder. So I, I'm confused by this website you sent me. D- d- you get a band, right? 
when you buy the watch? Yes. No, it's showing you what default configurations are available where you don't have to sp- uh, spend separately for the band. Okay. I so like, okay, I, I understand. Okay. So once you've picked out the actual Apple Watch that you want, you have to see how much you're going to get on the hook for to, to buy something separately if you want it. Okay. I, I see that now. Although if money was no object, I think what I would like as my default is the, uh, if you scroll all the way down, the 1099 space gray stainless steel. Yeah. That, that's, that, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. That is a very classic look, but that's just a complete waste of money. No, that's what I'm, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I would, I'd actually still be okay with just getting this, the sport version of the watch just for, you know, working out in it. I, I, I texted you this. I think it's, I think it's kind of weird to work out in a steel watch. I just don't think that feels right. Um, so I would even be just content again with the sport, sport, you know, watch and the, the, the space gray link bracelet, which I think would end up being, yeah, eight, eight forty nine. But yeah, that, I think that is an incredibly nice look. That's my dream configuration. But what kind of weirdo bu- buys a ten thousand dollar watch with a sport band? <laughs> Wait, so why? No, why does the ten thousand dollar one exist? Well, and it's crazy too because, like I said, that's that's just the thirty eight millimeter version. So if you want, if you want the exact same configuration with the black sport band, but you want forty two millimeter, that's an extra two thousand dollars. <laughs> So so it costs you $15,000 to get one that doesn't look ugly. Yeah, it does. Just because like not that the I think the sport bands look ugly, like again I under I really I agree with your point that it's decidedly casual and it's also like not cheap looking, but it's 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 a very different style. But why even pair those together? Because it looks worse than just getting a like a a sport one. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's that's my number one issue I'm gonna have with the Apple Watch, you know, and all of this I think goes away once there become a plethora of third party bands, which you know there will be, but at least right away there's not going to be just because until these things are out in the wild, I don't think third parties are gonna have any way to build bands. But um, yeah, so right off the bat, I think that's that's gonna be the thing is. I'm going to be in the same spot I am with my pebble where I, I'm going to feel like I can't really wear this thing to a dressier occasion, which is, which is a bummer, a huge bummer. Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the, the options are out there. I mean, I, I would wear this link bracelet in a heartbeat anywhere, but I'm just, I'm not spending $450 for that. Unless I somehow talk myself into that, which God, please don't, please don't let me do that, Carlos. No, I won't just because, like it does it looks really nice it though. does but the thing it's it's it looks, I, 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 it looks so nice i don't believe in this product category like i guess is the problem like the laptop like again like to put it in perspective versus the last thing we talked about if you're spending eleven hundred dollars on what's basically a glorified notification device like for 200 more you have the thinnest full-featured laptop in the world well, it'd only be eight forty nine in my case. No, no, I'm talking about the space. Uh, okay, you're <laughs> all right. Fine. <laughs> I know. I your point is well taken. But still, like, how many Apple TVs could you buy for that? Hold on. Where, where's my Where's my spotlight <laughs> calculator? Um, eight forty nine divided by sixty nine. You can buy twelve point three zero four Apple televisions. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, I, you know, I wasn't because of you know. 
because of the speculation that was out there before the event, particularly from you know Gruber, I was expecting the steel bands to be expensive. So I I wasn't at all surprised at the four forty nine price, um, but nonetheless, I was still still kind of disappointed. Yeah. Does this Milanese or Milanese loop have any appeal to you? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen, I haven't seen that style before. Um, it's it's um at least in my opinion, it, it seems to be a more feminine look. That's that's my take. Gotcha. Not, I mean, of course, not that, that that's not a criticism. I just for me, I just couldn't really see myself wearing that. I I really the only two bands that I like are the sports bands and the the link bracelet. I don't like any of the other ones. I think the modern buckle is okay. Like if I if I had to get a leather band, I I would probably go that direction. But again, two forty nine, just that's just just crazy, absolutely crazy. <sighs> Such a confusing product. It, it it is. It's um. Like, why do you think the company is pushing so much effort into this? Do you think that people just expect Apple that they must have a product after iPhone and iPad? No, I, I think I think the Apple Watch makes total sense. Again, I've made this point a million times on the show. I, as as a Pebble user, this is absolutely a logical product for Apple to make because I do think that having a window into your phone on your wrist is enormously valuable. So I, I do think this is the the logical and smart next step that Apple should have taken. The thing that I d- just don't understand at all is the fashion angle they seem to be taking with the watch. I mean, looking at this page and the billion different configurations that there are and the, the prices that, that they have set some of these at, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Like I... As somebody who isn't really into like the whole high-end watch thing or really even just high-end fashion in general, that's just a space that just doesn't interest me at all. I would much rather see Apple focus more on the tech side of the watch and less about the materials that the watch is made out of, if that makes sense. But I think that's where we we have the same perspective, but we differ in the sense that I think Apple should have waited for the technology to be there in the sense that battery life could get you a solid two or more days so that you're not screeching by to get through a regular day. Whereas like, I mean, the fashion does like, you can have an expensive one. That's fine. But I, I, I'm just confused by the whole entire product. So I, I don't know. It, I, I don't think the technology is there. I don't think there are enough demonstrated use cases for this. I really don't. How come on the how come on this this website you sent me? This is lmnt.me/watch. Mm-hmm. How come there's an X in the box where it's the 42 millimeter sport space gray aluminum and the link bracelet? No, it just means it that it's not. Um... Actually, I don't know. I mean, that means that it's not a purchasable configuration, though I don't know what the check marks mean. I don't know what the difference between an X is and the check bar, check mark, <laughs> check box, where it says it'll look fine. I don't know what the difference between those two are. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they're suggesting that the link bracelet will just not look good with the uh, sports or the sport space gray. I think that actually is part of it. 
that might be maybe they maybe they don't think that a steel band goes with the kind of more um uh what's the word i'm looking for with the the sport model just met the materials would finish yeah yeah which is possible i think um but again i i think i think a lot of this with with the bands in particular goes away once we have a good selection of third-party bands um and i think this is really a very temporary problem with just the first apple watch because i was also talking about this with some coworkers today i'm i'm presuming that if they do come out with an apple watch 2 in some short period of time say a year or two from now i'm assuming that the bands will continue to be compatible so Give it does seem a lot of credit <laughs> well i mean i don't know it, it it does seem like it does seem like they would be and if that were the case then you know we'll continue to have third party bands bands available you know right away going forward so you know apple can take their 449 dollars for a steel bracelet and go away and it it just it seems it feels wrong because even you know i'm gonna buy presumably a you know 400 dollar watch does seem weird to to spend that amount of money and not feel comfortable wearing it in all situations that's disappointing but overall i'm I'm pretty excited wish i wish wish i could say the same <laughs> i guess the the last the last thing the last takeaway from the the watch stuff is i thought the timing of everything was was very unapple like you know normally with the iphones and ipads we we get an event and then generally like two to th- maybe three weeks later we we get the product you know pre-orders happen sometime within about a week of the event and then you know we we get the product two or three weeks later but in this case pre-orders don't even start until more than a month after the event date and then the product's not available for another two weeks after that are, are you kind of are you surprised by the timing you know why why is there such a longer period of time between this event and when the product's actually coming out i think well i mean one it it fit the uh kind of the like the time change thing i don't think that's all of it but i think they wanted to refresh the because i think outside of our kind of like tech or like business bubble that most people have maybe forgotten about it so i think they had to remind people they have to give them time to notice it uh notice it again also to have a month to ramp up marketing for it and also to outline the uh, in-store try-on appointment thing. So I think there are a lot of moving parts that they need to organize that they need that month and a half for. Um, yeah, because if, 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 it was, if it was just another product, then yes, they would have done it closer to that. But they need that window for pre-orders and try-ons to make it a successful product launch. So I've been clear, uh, unclear rather, how this part of it works. So you, on April 10th, you can make an appointment, right, to go in and try one of these on. But if you if you wait to go that way and you don't just pre-order one right away, you're you're not guaranteeing yourself able to be able to get one of these things day one, right? Say that again. So on April 10th, you you can both pre-order a watch and you can go in and try one on. But what I'm saying is that if you let's say on April 10th you make an appointment to you know try a couple different models on especially maybe like the two different sizes. But then say that, you know, you, you, you make your appointment on the 10th and the, the appointments for, let's say like the next day, the 11th, right? 
and then you try it on, and then at the end of the day, you say, okay, I want to order, you know, this watch. You might be out of luck for launch day, right? Because you're going to have a lot of other people who just pre-order one right away on the 10th without going in and trying one on. I don't think people care that much. Like, I, I, I really don't think there's going to be, this isn't the iPhone. There won't be, even if you want to get a watch on the 20th and you order, I think you'll have a very good chance. I don't think there's going to be four to six week backlogs on, on the watches. I think maybe your particular band configuration might be a little bit longer, but you can deal with that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Hmm. But I do think it's going to work how you think. Like, I don't think you... Like, I'm sure you can make you can place a pre-order and then just go try it on and then adjust your pre-order if you wanted to. And then you get put back to, like, back of the line. Right. But I don't think that's going to be a big deal. It's an unproven product that I think the general public probably doesn't care too much about. Uh, so I didn't. I didn't ask you what. Um, what's your configuration? Uh, probably none. Really? Yeah. I. I just. The more I think about, it, the more I just don't care. Hmm. Yeah. If 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 I somehow get persuaded or I start seeing some compelling use cases for it, I think it's just a black sport band space gray aluminum, or um, a stainless steel and blue leather with paying $50 for a uh, high-quality fluoroelastomer black band. So that's a that's a big difference. So you'd go from 399 to which which leather band would you get? Uh bright blue uh leather, so 699. Wow. But again, I I hope I spend zero. Like I I for me I just don't see the value. The only the only thing I can think of that's genuinely better would be is if I could uh not uh, sorry not text while driving but you know what I mean like if I could use Siri to dictate text messages while driving because the in car integration is just so terrible that's the only compelling use case I can think for it and I don't know if that would actually work hmm. yeah and I really want to see how the third party app situation shakes out. Yeah, so I guess um, you know one of the other things that they did was they launched iOS eight point two on Monday, and when you when you download that, it <laughs> it it puts the Apple Watch app on your phone, which is interesting. It's unbelievable. It, you, you made you made yeah you made this comment that it's not surprising that you know Apple Watch in some way would kind of live on the phone in a way which it couldn't just be totally deleted, but it it seemed like it would just be more in the like buried in the settings somewhere. Yeah, but like it, it, uh, in the old days, they had this like Nike Plus integration thing, and all you did was you went to settings and you flipped the switch that said, "Yes, I I have one of these. Let me use it." And then the app appears. And if you don't, it's not there. So now everybody has this weird app with, like, I don't want to be like critical, but like the worst icon I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and it just it just doesn't make sense to have it on your phone, you know, this six early, weeks, six weeks before, yeah, six weeks before you get the watch, but. Anyway, the, the reason I, I thought of that was because um, you can actually start looking at the Apple Watch App Store within that app, so you can kind of get a sense of what third parties are you know going to be out there. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, like we, the actual quality of the apps. Well, sure, yeah, and we didn't. We again, we did during the event. I I thought there was a surprising lack of third party 
apps being shown. I mean, again, the Uber presentation was was phenomenal, and I, I just I cannot wait to order an Uber on my watch. That's just going to be the coolest thing. But also, that's an incredibly simple app, right? Like what Uber actually does, like on the phone itself, is very very basic. So that's the part where I I don't know like. Will you get, because uh, I know Marco has talked about what he's doing to make Overcast uh, kind of watch ready, but he always talks about um, just how limited it is. So if I want to be able to control my media playback for Spotify or something, like, can I look at my playlists on it? Is it just a play pause or like skip or like, what's the deal? Yeah, I don't know. And that's, that's what they, I, they did not do a very good job of elaborating on that. Which I thought was the probably the most disappointing part of the watch announcement or the watch you know presentation. Yes, sir. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's the uh, that's the kind of best way to conclude the Apple Watch discussion is we'll see. Yes. I just there's still there's still so much unknown. Yeah. Uh, earlier to the last thing I'll uh, close out on is that earlier today I was thinking of what is the killer application for an Apple Watch. Um, an IKEA installation guide. <laughs> Dead serious. No, that's that's pretty good. Although that's an awful small screen. <laughs> the regular instructions aren't much better. <laughs> we maybe you know maybe we should. Uh, well, we've also had better call Saul. I don't know if you want to. Oh god, it's gonna be the longest episode ever. Yeah, um, we 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 can briefly talk about that, but we should also mention that um, we we both got new IKEA desks this week. Very exciting. And it'll be interesting to see if we can tell, you know, kind of the, the, the final product. But at least on my end, you sound even better than you ever have. So I, I think whatever mic configuration you have on this new desk is significantly better than whatever you had it set up as before. Um, sure thing. I think you're talking more directly into it, which is, which is great. Yeah, it's a, it's a wider desk. So... Yeah. Spread <laughs> maybe, out a that, bit. maybe that's what oh yeah maybe that's what it is well no like like i don't know got more space yeah yeah and and mickey's uh going in the garbage <laughs> well i just i just that's what i just purchased you could it, there's a pre-drilled hole you can have this one <laughs> there was a pre-drilled hole in mine too um, wait what well uh, well not pre-drilled but i i had drilled a hole in my old desk my old mickey desk Huh? Though you're you're talking about the hole you drilled for your microphone, right? Yes. Yeah. So I I had drilled one in my old desk too. You're saying old? Yeah. I I had an I had my old desk was also Mickey. I thought your old desk was a mom desk. No. It it was I think almost exactly the same desk that I just bought now, except mm. it doesn't have the ugly white drawers that my old one had. But otherwise, I think it's basically the same desk. Interesting. To nobody but us. Sorry. um anyway it's enough meta setup stuff um we'll close out with better call saul i feel like we have to Mm -hmm. it's it has been so so good this week's episode about mike was i just thought phenomenal i don't like i don't even know what else to say it was it's just it's surprisingly good yeah the only thing that i i mean again it continues to like my my early preconceptions of what the show would be again I've I've already said are just nothing like what it actually turned out to be in in a good way and it just keeps topping it like we're getting a really good backstory 
and look at what made Mike the Cleaner who he was on Breaking Bad, but not in but not in the way that you'd expect. Like it's just a genuinely interesting story and like the second half of that episode was just absolutely fantastic. Like terrific acting, just tri- like great story, just everything about it was really good. That's what yeah. I was going to say too is uh Jonathan Banks who plays Mike. He you know, he's actually he's been on like Parks and Rec and some other things. Mm-hmm. And he he's not I mean he's he's a pretty actually like upbeat kind of normal guy and the 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 role that he gets himself into for well for breaking bad and then now better call saul just phenomenal he's really good he gets himself in a pretty dark place i would guess for that character yeah and this was a um mag- like electricity uh allergic front to electricity uh free uh, episode of that one guy <laughs> So yeah. that was very nice. And I also like how they, like Saul allows the other characters that he's working with to shine through. Like it's not just all about him. I I was going to give credit for that too, but I suspect that Mike is the only other character who's going to get this treatment. Yeah, I mean, I just... Hmm. I, I can't imagine that we're ever going to get an episode like we did this week about some other character that we hadn't already met through Breaking Bad. Hmm. Which is, I mean, it's not, that's not a bad thing, I don't think, but... No, that, that's very true. Yeah, I guess it was just an exciting one-off. Yeah. But I, I, um, I just, I think we've, we've said this when we were talking about the show either last week or the week before. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm really, really pleasantly surprised with how far back in the timeline they went with this show i think it just allows them to do so much more i totally made the the false assumption it was just going to be saul already in the strip mall with his office just getting a bunch of goofy clients and then mike would just you know continue to be his like henchman but you know saul isn't even saul yet you know he's james mcgill i just that's i think that's really interesting do you think it's the end of the first season where we find out when that transition happens? No. I, I was actually, um, I was thinking about this recently too. Um, AMC really now has a pretty well-documented history of milking their shows for all they're worth. And it's, it's not hard to come up with a lot of examples of this. There's the splitting up of Breaking Bad's final season into two parts. Same thing with Mad Men. You've now got the Walking Dead spinoff, which they've already signed up for two full seasons of. Um, now we have the Breaking Bad spinoff. I don't think it's hard to imagine Better Call Saul going for four seasons, five seasons, almost just as long as Breaking Bad. So I could see them dragging this out a ways. I could see Saul becoming Saul being a thing at like maybe the end of season two. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, makes sense. And I, I wouldn't even be surprised if it was further along than that, like an end of season three thing. Yeah. The thing that I'm most curious about is if we're ever going to return to the post Breaking Bad timeline. Like, no. are we going, are we going to get a scene? No. Like one scene, you know, on each premiere and then another scene on each finale. Or if that was strictly just set up. I think that was just set up. Because I don't see how they wouldn't weave it in where it's not just weird. 
Well, because I guess, again, they, yeah. would, they would show it post Walt. So what? What? What is there? What, to... what would? What would the story be? Yeah. What? What is there to show? I mean, I guess like they could, they could use it to show like what Jesse is doing. But um, no, no spoilers. Maybe... But Jesse was pretty messed up um, at the end of the show. So I'm not sure that. I don't know. Anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but great show. It, it's really good. It, they, I, I've said this before. It, it's the show that I most look forward to watching each week now. Yeah. And there's, I did not did not expect to say that about that show. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Can't wait All till right. April 10th. Indeed. <laughs>